Christmas was yesterday, and a good chunk of you are here today, so that's good to see. You guys are the real ones. Um, and I think it's because, well, I'm not going to guess your intentions, but you follow sort of in the footsteps of your forefathers, the Magi, who I don't think there's a lot of doubt um, that they were, what it says they were from the east, that they were following a star. The word magus is a Persian word. It means priest, actually. Um, but because priests were highly educated, unlike today, uh, they were, <laughs> sorry, they were um, uh, also called wise men. You know, it's, it's not incorrect to call them wise men because they were from uh, uh, sometimes wealthy classes. They were also called kings because of their uh, sort of social status. So all those are not incorrect, but the word magus just has that sort of meaning in Persian. But they came from the east, they came from the Persian Empire, but they were following a star which was something very particular um, uh, to Babylonians and Chaldeans especially. And okay, that's, all that's fine, but you can sort of do astronomy or do astrology without leaving everything and spending months, maybe even years to journey to see a baby and to give gifts. Um, the, the sort of inner motivation for that is really interesting if you look at it. And I think part of it has to do with the virtue of religion. In um, sort of traditional texts, religion is a habit. It's not just like a thing that's out there. You as a human being develop the habit of religion the way you would develop the habit of playing piano. And religion is a virtue that uh, is, it, when you, when you kind of categorize, when you ask what is the, the habit of religion, it goes under the virtue of justice, which is really interesting. It doesn't go under fortitude, it doesn't go under temperance. Of, of the major virtues, re religion goes under justice because religion is habitually giving what is owed, which is justice, to God. And so there's something that it's, fair to give, it's right, it's just to give to God. Not for any other reason besides the fact that it's right. It's not like God needs, when we, when we pray, God is, it's going like to make God happier or something like that. We're not doing it for Him, we're doing it because it's the right thing, because it's fair. And I think the Magi had that sense in a very natural way. And I think they, they, they kind of represent natural religion the sort of natural virtue of natural religion because they did not have access to Moses or the prophets. We have no reason to believe that they, they understood what it meant to be the king of the Jews, what, what it meant to be the Messiah. They didn't even use the word Messiah. Just based on nature, they just kind of understood, all right, a king is gonna be born and a king that's so significant that there is this obviously miraculous star. I don't think this was like a comet or something like that because there's no way that a comet could sort of indicate a house. Oh, it was above the house where he was. Okay, that comet's really low to the ground. I mean, the earth would have been destroyed, okay, if it was that low. So obviously there was something miraculous. A lot of the early church writers say that it was just an angel that was sort of, that they followed from the east. Um, and so, well, this is obviously very, something very special that's happening. And so in their heart, they said, okay, if something special is happening, we have to do something about it. It's not enough to just sit at home. <clears throat> this king deserves, it's fair, whether or not he needs the gold and frankincense and myrrh, it is the right thing to do. 
And out of their, we would say ghira maybe in, in Chaldean or in Arabic, out of their internal sense of zeal or justice, they say, you know what, something has to happen now. This is a king, he was born, we have to be part of it and we have to give him something. It's the same way that you know, when it's somebody's birthday, okay, it's just fair. Whether or not they need the gift, okay, it's, it's just the right thing to do to celebrate this person's existence. Your existence is a good thing, we're going to give something to sort of indicate that. It's not that you need it, it's not that I feel like you're going to like me better. Put all that aside. It's the right thing to do, it's just. That's what the Magi did. And, and I think those of you who are here today, it's Sunday. Even though yesterday was Christmas, even though it's, you know, inconvenient, we're all tired. We were, you know, a lot of us were at like 10 masses in the last couple days. But it's Sunday. It's the right thing to do. It's fair. And to not do it, here's the part that becomes a little bit sharper. It's not just, it's just to do it. It's unjust not to. The Magi felt to not do anything would be wrong. That's a really good and kind of deep intuition. I think we can feel proud of that as people that sort of are, are there, um, you know, are maybe related to them, maybe even by blood, God knows, you know. Um, that they had this intuition and they went and absolutely the first people to worship Christ, at least named in the gospel, I'm sure Mary did first and maybe Joseph, but after the, his immediate family, it wasn't Jews that worshiped the, the Messiah first. It was pagans. It was, it was our people that came from the East. It was a natural intuition of justice that led them and brought them there and made them not only give gifts, but kneel and worship him. That's really interesting. That's really amazing from a natural standpoint. They weren't told to do this by the prophet Isaiah or by Moses or something like that. They just sort of had a sense that this was the right thing to do. Very interesting. And so in contrast with them, and I think Matthew writes the narrative this way on purpose. He kind of puts the events in this order on purpose. In contrast to the Magi is Herod. King Herod is absolutely unjust. He is not a wise man or a king or a magus or a, or a, or a sort of priest of a natural religion. He is a tyrant. And what does a tyrant do? Tyrant, so as, in a, as opposed to they, the Magi saw him and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There's, that's so exaggerated as a phrase, it's almost bad writing. You could have just said they rejoiced. They rejoiced exceedingly. Okay, fine, they rejoiced exceedingly. They rejoiced, rejoiced exceedingly with joy. Okay, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Okay, we get it. As opposed to Herod, who feared he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. The tyrant doesn't rejoice. He fears. He's terrified. Why? Because he doesn't care about justice. He cares about his own rule. He cares about being in charge and staying in charge. He's, he cares about having his stuff and not losing it. That's the tyrant. He cares not about offering and giving what is just or what is right. He takes, but he takes violently. Because right after the gospel here, that I, that, I, that I read, we know what happened. He went and had all children in that area slaughtered. He doesn't give, he takes and he takes life. 
It's not that he's willing to be really inconvenienced journey for months and years to give something. He's willing to kill children for his own convenience. That's a tyrant. <clears throat> Instead of having a sense of the truth and of what's right, the easiest thing to do for him is lie. Go and search for the child, and when you have found him, come and let me know so that I too may come and worship him. Complete lie. A tyrant is afraid for his own authority, he's willing to kill, and lying is like second nature to him. That's Herod the tyrant. The contrast with Herod is the sort of first contrast, the natural one, is the Magi. But the real contrast, and I think, again, I think Matthew is kind of painting this picture for us, is Christ the king. Christ the king, again, let's contrast him with Herod. He's just born, and we celebrated his birth yesterday, but we all know where the story goes. His rulership is not a tyranny. His rulership is one of love and of service. He doesn't, he's not afraid for, no. All authority is given to Christ. He doesn't take it. He's not afraid for his own authority. He doesn't, he does the opposite of slaughter others to keep his authority. He sacrifices himself. He doesn't lie about worshiping, nor does he come simply worship. He is the God who is worshiped. There's a tradition of interpretation that the um, <coughs> gifts offered by the Magi represent, the gold represents his kingship. Christ is the king. The frankincense represents his priesthood. And the myrrh, this is, a, and you can see the incense has to do with priesthood. The myrrh, it's, it's a little bit harder in the tradition to connect the myrrh with being a prophet, but some of the early fathers did that. Um, myrrh was actually a spice used to embalm um, bodies. Like when, when he died, that was one of the spices that they would have used to embalm his body. But the Christ being not just a king that rules, but also a prophet who teaches, and also a priest who, who offers sacrifice, that's the ultimate fulfillment, that's the ultimate contrast with, with Herod. But on the way there, the beginning of the gospel is not tyranny. The beginning of the gospel is this natural justice that the Magi felt in their bones and were willing to, to um, be deeply inconvenienced for. So at the start of the new year, and I think as you're kind of making your New Year's resolutions and trying to understand, okay, how can I improve? Look at the Magi and see maybe the next year as a journey, journey with them so that you, with them, can make it to Christ, can offer the sacrifices and the gifts that, that you have that are fair and just for you to, to offer, and so that you can also kneel and worship Him with them.